The following study is a Sunday morning lesson given by Pastor Brett Metter at Athey Creek Christian Fellowship. Why don't you turn to Isaiah chapter 26 for this morning's text. And um, by the way, uh, one of the things I always say, and I feel like I can't say it enough because it's so cool that one of the greatest attributes of going verse by verse through the Bible as a church is where you're at in life is where you're at in Scripture. And I, I find it really amazing how the Lord just syncs up the scriptures we just happen to be in with just what we need to hear at any given moment. And uh, such is the case today. We have a, a scripture, I think, that's so appropriate uh, for the days we're living. What are the days we're living in? Well, uh, some might say chaos. If you look at the headlines of the news today, this morning even, chaos all over the United States. Uh, why? Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons. Um, you know, I mean, if, if it's not bad enough to have, you know, America reeling this week because more than now 100,000 people have died because of this pandemic, uh, if that's not bad enough, we've got, you know, uh, 40 million people who've been displaced from their workplace, uh, uh, unemployed, 40 million. That, do you realize how many people that is? Uh, that, that's, that's pretty bad enough. Um, but if that's not bad enough, we had to, to top that off, you know, this uh, horrible video and this horrible thing that took place in Minneapolis, Minnesota with, um, you know, the killing of this handcuffed, subdued black guy who was uh, arrested by these police officers. And um, the video was horrifying. Um, and it, it made the nation once again just totally go into chaos. Um, and this has been perhaps one of the worst. If you're not one who's following the news, man, uh, the, the rioting in all the big cities here in America in the last few nights have been brutal. There's been shootings and deaths, stores being crashed, uh, trouble all around. And, um, and basically, you know, it's, it's, some of these started with a vigil, you know, for George Floyd, this, this, this poor guy that was killed. They were, I think, arresting him for something having to do with forgery or something. But every police officer I've talked to about this, and we have a lot of good law enforcement guys in our church here, they're saying, yeah, th- that was not police work. There was, there was e- that was just evil. There was evil going on there. And uh, I think that that's true. And man, it's such a bummer because I, I hate how the narrative makes it like somehow all police work is, is evil like that. Um, and it's just not the case. Uh, but there are indications that there's, there are wacko police officers uh, that are out there, like this guy, who's now, by the way, uh, in jail uh, under charge of um, third-degree murder. Some people think it should be at least second-degree murder. They should be up for. Others say, no, first-degree murder. But um, who knows? But uh, that, that sounds... Uh, even the, the other officers that were around are probably going to be up on charges and um, some, I believe, are, are being arrested as we speak, uh, that were there. Uh, but a horrible situation. Racism in America. You, you think, man, why can't we get this thing to stop? What a horrible uh, situation. And, and um, it just, you know, opens up all kinds of old wounds. But because of that, you go from the vigil to the demonstration or the um, people that are protesting. But then, sadly, it turns into riots, uh, oftentimes, and that's what's happening across America. In fact, here in our backyard, last night was bad, but the night before was worse. And the police had to shoot tear gas um, into crowds, and um, people were lighting big fires in the middle of the streets. 
Um, and um, it, it just got more and more hostile and violent from there here in downtown Portland. And, um, and they were starting to crash up stores. They lit actually a bank on fire, two banks, Wells Fargo and also the Chase Bank. The, the fire people came and they lit these cars on fire. I mean, this is like Beirut in the 1980s, you know, kind of like a, a war zone. People smashed the windows at, at the uh, Apple store and ran out of the store with computers and all kinds of new iPhones and stuff. They were loaded up, ready to roll, getting their free computers and stuff like that. This is right in our backyard. Um, they broke into the uh, Microsoft. And then in other cities, Atlanta, CNN headquarters was taken over by um, these uh, violent groups that burned police cars. Atlanta, man, did you see the Atlanta mayor and her appeal? It was pretty, pretty impressive, actually. But in New York, things are bad. In California, Los Angeles last night and the night before was nuts. And um, they're really bringing in the National Guard. They brought in the National Guard um, to Washington, D.C. because people were threatening the White House. And so um, police officers were getting bashed in the head and protesters were dragging them around the city. Um, like it, it, got, it got really uh, kind of crazy in Washington, D.C. Um, and really, this is where our nation is. We're, we're, uh, we found ourselves once again with all kinds of unrest and violence. Uh, New York, uh, you know, there were really bad riots. People are uh, really threatened and they don't really know what to think of this. Like, when's this going to stop? Uh, when are we actually going to have peace? And people, they want peace. They're, they're marching for peace um, and for these causes. And so we, we as, uh, you know, Christians, we sit around and think, well, what are we going to do? Um, and how should we feel? And what should we think about this stuff? Well, if it's not bad enough with the riots uh, to make you feel a little uneasy. I remember uh, watching, there was one guy that came into the camera and said, we're coming to the suburbs, you know, uh, you know, after just smashing windows and stuff. And, and there's a lot of people who are like afraid. There's just people who are afraid. There's a lot of people that are afraid because of the coronavirus thing. And um, are you wearing a mask or are you not wearing a mask? And there's been real violence and craziness around the country just because of that alone. In fact, um, it's amazing, you know, the, the, um, there's some people that are chiding each other for not wearing masks and, and then their own groups not wearing masks, like the hypocrisy and the whole COVID health thing. And who knows what's true? Should you walk in wet sand or dry sand, they argue, in California about the beaches. And uh, they outlawed walking. I think it was in dry sand. You had to stay in the wet sand. Just like these crazy discussions. And people are getting all up in a tizzy and angry. It's amazing the fights you see these people wearing masks and they're so mad. Even locally here, we've had people go in a rage and start hitting people without masks. Not a, you might get the corona if, you're, if you get that close to people without masks. It's just the whole thing has just kind of gone nuts. And, um, and, and that sort of describes our current climate here in America and really around the world. There's people that are just up in arms. And, and you know, the economy is, is in real threat because of all the shutdowns. It's really so sad to see some of these small local businesses that haven't been able to get back to work, but the big companies can. So these mom and pop shops are run, they're running out of money. They're going bankrupt. And, um, and there's so many people saying, open up. And others say, no, we've got to keep it closed down. And, and there's just lots of anger and a lot of unrest uh, in, our, in our country, in our state. Um, so, you know, the, the truth is, um, this idea of the battles and the wars and the feuds and the riots, they've been around from the beginning. In fact, in all of recorded history, in the last 4,000 years, did you know that out of the last 4,000 years, there's only been 268 of those years that were peaceful? 
Only 268 years out of the 4,000 year recorded history of the world, 268 years of relative peace. That's just 8% of recorded history of peacetime. You know, over those centuries, there's been, uh, and millennia really, there's been 8,000 peace treaties signed by nations. Um, But really, when you look at it, none of them really last. None of them are really honored. Um, Eventually, people come and trounce and conquer and pillage and plunder. Um, That's the nature of human existence. We've got all kinds of anger and hatred. Uh, We see more unrest in the world today, and it's not just our generation. Remember remember when I was a little kid, the 60s, everybody was, you know, Vietnam War, and everybody was giving the peace sign and wearing the bell bottoms and the peace symbols and and all this, and everybody wanted to give peace a chance. Um, But man, it never lasts. Um, You know, and we might have seasons of relative peace, but it seems like it always tends to naturally flow toward unrest and real danger. Human uh, nature leads to real danger. Uh, Think about the Jews, just the Jews alone. You know, we have racism in America, but uh, there's been racism against the Jews for millennia. All the way back to Pharaoh enslaving the Jews to, um, you know, Antiochus Epiphanes and the Ptolemies, uh, the battles there that the, uh, you know, the Antiochus or Antiochus uh, uh, really wiped out Jews or the Romans, you know, Herod the Great killing all the Jewish baby. Like, it's amazing what the Jews, Jews have endured. And then, of course, the Holocaust and Hitler. Meanwhile, the way the Jews greet each other is shalom, which means peace. Um, they say peace when they say hi to everybody every day. Peace, 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 they say. But isn't that like what the prophet Jeremiah said? They'll say peace, peace, but there will be no peace. And that's true of the world today. You know, man, humanity, we crave peace. We want to have peace. And I think that's because we are created in the image of God. And, we're, and God is the sort of, you know, the essence of peace in his being. He is the, the, the peace maker, if you would. Um, and Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But, but the problem is, you and I, while we were created in the image of God, we're also in rebellion against God as sinful, fallen humanity. And because of our rebellion against God, um, the problem is we don't have peace, even though we crave it. We desire peace, but uh, we experience very little peace because of sin. James is the one who sort of identifies this uh, for us. In James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, James kind of spells it out about why we don't have peace. Let me read it to you. James 4, 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight you do not have because... You do not ask God. Man, he says, what causes, rhetorically, he asks this question, what causes quarrels and fighting among you? He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You have this fleshly battle going inside your soul. And because humanity has this unrest and this battle going on within our flesh, our sin nature from our spirit that wants to walk with God, there's this warring. And because of that, there's this discontentment. You, he says you, you want stuff, but you don't get it. And when you don't get what you want, you kill and you covet and you cannot have what you want. So you quarrel and fight. That's what James says in James 4 verses 1 and 2. Man, you know, basically the problem is not as much the warring against each other. It's the war that's happening internally in himself that makes humanity uh, discontented and angry. Now, that brings us to our text. 
here in Isaiah chapter 26. I love this scripture because it, it's so beautiful and it's, it's one that should be, I think, marked perhaps in every single Bible out there because it's, it's just so helpful. I love this verse. It's, it's Isaiah 26, verse three. And it says there in verse three of chapter 26, it says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. Man, if you keep your mind not stayed on what you're wanting. Remember James said, no, 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 you don't want that. You know, James is saying it's because you're warring in your flesh and not getting what you want that you have no peace and you're angry at people. But here it says, oh, if you keep your mind stayed upon the Lord, and I would put in there stayed upon his word, upon his truth, upon everything that God is and stands for. If you keep your mind stayed upon him, the Lord says, I will keep you in perfect peace. Notice the word perfect peace there in your margin of your Bible. Uh, It says, peace, peace. Um, The English translation goes to perfect peace because um, oftentimes the Hebrew would say something twice in the Hebrew language to sort of put an exclamation point on it. Um, And so he'd say, you know, thou shalt keep him in peace, peace, double peace, extra peace, perfect peace is the idea there. And I wonder if there's two pieces here actually being talked about. Uh, We'll talk about that in a second. Two pieces, yeah. Now, here's the thing that's kind of funny about this. Uh, One of the things you have to do is when you study the Bible, make sure you're checking out the context of any verse, especially when you find yourself taking one verse and really focusing on it. You also have to look at the context of that verse. Who is it that is in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee? You say, well, that's me. It's not. It's right now. We can get that. Not necessarily. Kind of, but not really. What do you mean, Brett? Well, the context of this, check it out. Let's read the, the first verse of chapter 26. It says in 26, 1, it says, in that day, now pause for a second. Remember you Bible students, when Isaiah says in that day, what day is he talking about? And this is something that you have to kind of read your Bible and, and study the scriptures to kind of start to get the nuance. But when, when Isaiah is saying in that day, he's talking about the millennial kingdom. When Christ comes and intervenes in humanity, it's also called in the Bible, the day of the Lord. In that day, what day? The day of the Lord. What's the day of the Lord? Well, this is the day that's coming in the future where God steps into humanity and intervenes. You'll find people today critical of God. Man, God forbid that they do that, but they are. Well, if God is love, why doesn't he fix the the bad and get rid of evil and help the diseased? And why doesn't he, you know, intervene in humanity? The answer, he will. The Bible tells us he will. And he has a perfect timing. Well, I don't like his timing. Who cares? His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are wiser than your thoughts. He's got a reason. And we could even go into the reasons, perhaps why he's, you know, delaying the day of the Lord. There's actually reasons for that. But, but for sake of this topic, it's not the day of the Lord yet. When's the day of the Lord happen? It's when I believe the first event is going to be the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians chapter four says, you know, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up and meet him in the air. Uh, and then we get to be with the Lord from that day forward. First Thessalonians four, first Thessalonians five says, comfort one another with these words. Well, after the rapture of the church, then comes the tribulation period, seven years of tribulation. God 
pouring out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting sinful world. And that's him intervening. That's him stepping in the day of the Lord. The rapture of the church, seven years of tribulation, and then Christ returns, the second coming of Christ, where Jesus will come and, you know, we talked about the battle of Armageddon a couple Sundays ago, and then Christ will what? Rule and reign from Jerusalem. And man, Isaiah has already told us a bunch of stuff about the day of the Lord. Like Isaiah chapter two, verse four says, and he shall judge among the nations. He shall rebuke many people. They shall, you know, uh, beat their swords into plowshares. They shall um, take their, you know, spears and turn them into pruning hooks. And Isaiah says, nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn of war anymore. So um, there's gonna be this peace that will come in the kingdom when Christ comes and rules and reigns. And, and not only peace with, among people, but peace in all of nature. Um, if you're an environmentalist, don't hug a tree. Pray for Christ's return. <laughs> because the Bible says during that millennial kingdom, all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. The mountains will rejoice. Man, the answer to the world, the global warming and the problem is Christ to come and rule and reign and make all the wrongs right. That's gonna happen during the kingdom. It doesn't mean, by the way, we should trash the earth right now. Uh, Some people think that what I'm saying there means that we think that we just should trash the earth. No, the Lord did tell us to be stewards and we're to be good stewards of this earth. But right now the earth is in a fallen condition and uh, that makes a lot of sense of why things are going the way they are. Uh, My family was reminded of that recently. We, uh, during this COVID lockdown, we had one little bright spot of light at our house there where this little cute little bird, she was a cute little bird. uh, For whatever reason, she found this little fake wreath that was on our front porch. Uh, it's just a plastic wreath, nothing fancy, but it was fake. And she saw fit to make her cute little nest there in our little wreath on our front porch. And this little bird laid her little eggs. And we were all kind of excited to see the, you know, nature right on our front porch. And, and we, we just watched the eggs every day. We'd step out the front door and kind of take a peek. And there they were, five little eggs. And this little bird would come and, you know, sit on them and, and you know, and, and all that. Well, one morning I got up just a couple days back and um, we were all really sad because the eggs were gone. And I looked down on the, on the porch and there all these little broken up eggs and you know it looked like they'd been splattered there on the concrete and the nest was sort of overturned. And I thought, man, what happened? Who did this? Well, I got on my little blink camera because we have that on the front porch and I could actually see what happened. It was an evil blue jay. <laughs> that came in and turned to the nest and the eggs poured out and, and the, the blue jay, I've got him on video, they're slurping up the egg yolks. And we were kind of bummed because we were excited to see those little birds and, and uh, you know, we were kind of sad. And actually my daughter's like, dad, I don't think we like blue jays anymore. Those are nasty birds. And then I had to remind them, we do the same thing. Every morning when we have our omelets and our eggs, we're taking from a hen who laid her little eggs. And every day we come and take those away. (laughs) And guess what? That's just the fallen condition of humanity. That's just the ugliness of the world. Mutual of Omaha's wild kingdom at its finest. Survival of the fittest, as it's called. That's because the world is ugly. There's death. And the fall of man did that. But there's going to come a time where no longer will the blue jay steal from the nest. In fact, even the wolf will lie down with the lamb, not to have lamb chops, but to just lie down with the lamb. The little child, the Bible says, in the millennial kingdom will handle a a deadly snake, but it won't hurt him. Um, The millennial kingdom 
is going to be the ultimate season, time period of peace. Why? Because the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, will be ruling on the throne from Jerusalem. There will be no peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace comes and rules and reigns. Not globally, not between the nations, not even in the country that we live in, the United States. We're not going to see a lasting real peace until the Prince of Peace rules and reigns. You say, but that's just great. We look forward to when Christ comes and when he rules and reigns. Um, But some pastor you are, you're telling us that there's no real peace until the Prince of Peace comes. And, and, and you're saying this verse that I've applied to my life, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee, you know, for him that trusts in the Lord. You say, I can't even apply that because that's for the millennial kingdom. That's what the point is of this. In verses one, let's, in fact, let's read all those verses. Verse one, all the way through, it says, in that day, that's the day of the Lord, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. What's gonna be our walls? And our bulwarks, salvation of God. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou will keep him, the millennial person, in, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for the Lord, Jehovah, is everlasting strength. And then it goes on and talks more about the millennial kingdom. And we'll look at that on Wednesday night. You say, great, Brett, so that's for the millennial kingdom. I was hoping I could say, man, he'll keep me in perfect peace if, if I keep my mind stayed upon thee, but you're saying that's the kingdom. But here's the thing. Remember I told you that it says that will keep him in peace, peace? Well, there's two kinds of perfect peace because the, the kingdom of God has sort of a dual nature. By the way, remember all these prophecies we've been looking at in Isaiah that has a dual fulfillment? We have the near fulfillment of prophecy and the far fulfillment of prophecy. Um, Well, the kingdom has a dual nature in and of itself. By the way, there's confusion because of that. Some people argue that we're living in the kingdom now. In fact, uh, there's a group of, of, you know, um, churches that call it the kingdom now or dominion theology, where we're living in the kingdom right now. Man, I hope you don't believe that because if you do, be depressed. If this is the kingdom of God right now, whew, uh, how does that reconcile with what the Bible says the kingdom will be? It's gonna bring an everlasting righteousness and an end of sin, Daniel chapter nine says, when Christ comes and rules. That's not happening right now. Um, But there's people saying, yeah, but the kingdom is now. Well, it's not. Not the literal, physical kingdom of God. That's going to come when Christ returns. The future, physical, literal, external kingdom. Why? Well, there's a second tier of this kingdom that is different, and it's more internal. Um, Instead of being external, literal, future, physical kingdom, there is the internal, spiritual, present kingdom of God right now. Remember when Jesus taught us to pray? He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or as one of the gospels, in earth as it is in heaven. Um, So you say, well, Brett, what's the deal with that? Well, here's the thing. The kingdom's coming when Christ comes. When he's the second coming, that's gonna be the physical, literal kingdom. But do you remember when Jesus said those mysterious statements like the kingdom of God is among you? What's that mean? Um, What about when Philippians um, 
uh, pardon me, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Um, there, there's not, he, he's, Paul's kind of telling us there's more to the kingdom than just the physical part. There's a spiritual nature, righteousness, peace. That's what we're talking about today. In a time of unrest and a lack of peace and, a, and a, you and I longing for the kingdom when Christ comes and the Prince of Peace, peace is seated upon the throne. Oh, those are gonna be good days. But what do we do right now? What do we do in the meantime? Well, that's where we have to realize that the kingdom of God, guess what? The Prince of Peace, while he may not be ruling and reigning in Jerusalem physically right now, guess what? He is living and at home in your heart as a Christian. The Prince of Peace is sort of enthroned in in your heart. You know, your body is this tabernacle to the Holy Ghost and the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Your body is a temple to the Holy Spirit. You have this, the kingdom of God dwelling within your heart in your life. And thus, while we may not see real peace until the Prince of Peace is seated on the throne, you can have a a peace beyond measure in your heart, in your mind, while the whole world's going crazy. How many people need that? How many of you are freaked out by what's going on and you just say, oh Lord, I need a peace in my heart. Well, it's there for the taking. Um, I love what Jesus said about this, you know, um, when, about being the Prince of Peace. Listen to what Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Man, that would be the good word for today is that peace that Isaiah is talking about. It's, it's talking about the future kingdom of God, but you and I, we can claim that verse. Not because Jesus is seated upon the throne in Jerusalem, but because he's seated in the, in the home of our heart, Jesus. That's why we say when you become a Christian, you're asking Jesus to come into your life, into your heart, and it's Christ in you. He dwells in you, the Bible says, the Prince of Peace. So Jesus is talking about that. I'm gonna leave you, Christian church, with a peace that passes understanding. Uh, Peace give I to you not as the world gives. The world gives a temporary pseudo fake peace. But I'll give you a real peace, even in the midst of the storm. Isn't that why Jesus was at peace there taking a nap in the boat while they were in the midst of a storm? The disciples were freaking out, but they could have chilled because they had the Prince of Peace in their boat. Just like you and I could chill today because we have Christ in us, our hope of glory is Jesus, Christ in you. So he says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Why? Because I'm going to give you a peace, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Now in Philippians 4, he tells us how to do that. If you're a Christian, you're like, Brett, that's great. Theologically, theoretically, um, to have Jesus, our Prince of Peace. But why do I feel this unrest in my soul? And when I watch the riots and when I see the COVID thing and it just gets my goat and makes me mad to see what's happening with this whole thing. Hey, Philippians chapter four gives you and I the prescription. How to, how to have the peace of God, that peace that is beyond measure. How do we get that? Well, it's Philippians four. Many of you guys have this memorized. I'm gonna quote it from the New International Version where it says, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and, and petition or supplication as the King James puts it, With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let your request be made known to God. 
And it says, the peace of God which transcends or passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, that's the thing. You and I, we need a guard around our heart um, because our heart is, is leaning toward anxiety and worry and stress and frustration and anger. You and I, we need a guard around our heart in these days we're living. And how do you do that? It says, how, what will happen if, if you pray? That's what it says here. It, it's basically, if you break it down, it says, worry about nothing, pray about everything, and, um, and, and be thankful for anything. That's what he's saying. Be anxious or worry about nothing. Man, if you're worried today about your finances, the Bible says, I don't, the Lord says, I don't want you to be worried. If you're a Christian, worrying has no place in the life of the believer. You know, when you think about it, worrying does nothing but make matters worse. You know, Solomon wrote in the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, he says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. You're burdened down with worry and it just weighs you down. It slows you down. It make, makes you not be able to do as much because you're weighed down with an unnecessary weight. An anxious heart weighs a man down. But prayer, be anxious for nothing, pray about everything, be thankful for anything. That's what the prescription is from God. You and I as Christians, we have this beautiful privilege of of even though things are kind of disastrous in Portland right now, even though the COVID thing has caused unrest and anger and fear, even though the economy is tanking and the un- unemployment's uh, skyrocketing, um, you and I can have this guard around our heart that's the peace of God. And, 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 and it comes through prayer. And that's why it says, the Lord, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. And he trusteth in thee. Man, you put your trust in the Lord. You pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, but be thankful for every, anything. You know, Jesus talked about this kind of faith that, that uh, gives you that, you know, confidence in the Lord. He talked about it in Mark's gospel, chapter 11. Let me read it to you. In Mark eleven twenty two, it says, Jesus said, answered them and said, have faith in God. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he hath said shall come to pass, and he will have whatever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them, and you will have them. Now some of you are like, awesome. Um, I'm going to pray for a Ferrari. But see, it says, when you pray. Have you ever noticed that your prayers, when you're praying to the Lord, it's like the Lord's put a conscience within you that keeps your prayers in check. Have you ever found that to be true? Where you're praying and you're praying for something that's not very cool, that you know the Lord's not into, and even by it crossing your lips, you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't pray that. Um, let's go extreme. Let's say you hate your boss at work. And you're saying, okay, Lord, I pray that you'd kill my boss, that his brain would explode you know, that's probably not really in line with what the Lord would have. And for you to pray that, if you were to pray that, you'd be feeling like, I'm such a loser. I can't even believe I asked the Lord to kill my boss. Um, of course, you're going to have conviction. But I found even the more subtle things, your Super Bowl team, um, there used to be a time where we had football, where people gathered and they watched sports uh, back in the day. Um, well, you know, people, I'm going to pray for my Super Bowl team. But when you're praying for something that stupid, 
uh, some guys that have a, uh, you know, a ball that's shaped funny and they're trying to push it across the line. Um, and we're praying, oh Lord, help my Super Bowl team. But what about all the other people praying for their team? Does the Lord even care who, the, who wins the Super Bowl? I think he does, by the way, but for very different reasons than you and I have. But all that to say, praying for something like that, I'm, there's times where the Lord will convict your heart. He's like, that's stupid. Don't even, you're talking to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. There's plenty of other things that we should be praying about. So rather than being totally freaked out about racism, we need to guard our hearts and we gotta say, we're gonna have the peace of God rule our hearts about that. Rather than being freaked out about the economy and the rioting and the COVID and all that stuff, pray about everything. And I'm not just talking about, and I gotta be careful here because the Lord honors prayer just in general. But I wonder if we've lost the art of just the fervent prayer of a righteous man. You know, um, I, I feel like we've become, you know, TV dinner prayers. God is good, God is great, we thank you for the food, amen. And that's suddenly your prayer life. Oh, you're a faithful prayer servant of the Lord because you just said a little uh, quick prayer. And I'm not knocking the quick prayers because those are cool too. But at the same time, man, could we be missing out on something as far as the power of prayer? Listen to this one. In James chapter five, he talks about prayer and, and what, what it looks like. Listen to this. He says, is there anybody sick among you? James five fourteen. Let him call for the elders of the church and pray over him with the anointing of oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen, the effective or effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then it goes on and talks about Elijah when he prayed for rain. And if you go back to first Kings and read that story, it's really cool because Elijah, talk about a fervent, righteous man. He gets into this position of prayer. What was it? Was it kneeling? Nope. It was the birthing position, like a woman giving birth to a child. Elijah gets down there with his head between his knees and starts praying with fervor. And, and it's the fervent prayer of a righteous man. And then, then James uses Elijah as the example. When was the last time you went to your knees or, or postured yourself with passionate crying out to the Lord? Because frankly, that's what we need to be doing. When it says, um, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to the Lord. And, and I get the sense that that's not just tacking on a prayer at the uh, beginning of dinner. There's kind of this fervent prayer that the Lord is saying, that's what I want from my people. And then if you are praying with fervor, man, it's that peace that passes understanding that I will give to you where it'll guard your heart and your mind. But not until you commit to that kind of prayer. You know, I always hear of you know, pastors calling their churches to fasting and prayer. And, and I, th- I think that's cool. And there's, there's times to do that. I, I sometimes feel like we, maybe it's bad of me, but I like to reserve those times for real cataclysmic times. Uh, when, when a pastor says, we're going to sound the trumpet, call people to prayer. This might just be one of those times where we should be saying, hey, it's time to give ourselves to fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman. Um, as we're seeing our city burning down, as we're seeing our country burning down. In, in Minneapolis, 230 plus businesses have been destroyed, burned down, wiped out where they can't work. And, and because of the rioting there, 
um, they've calculated that that's more than 10,000 people that are out of jobs now, just from the last couple nights of rioting. It might even be more as of this morning, who knows? But um, man, things are at a real feverish pitch right now. And we as a church, rather than griping and grumbling, shouldn't we be anxious for nothing but giving everything to the Lord in fervent prayer and letting the peace of God come in and rule our hearts and minds. And see, that's what our scripture in Isaiah is telling us. Thou will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. That's gonna be perfectly fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. But right now, today, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, guess what? You can have that perfect peace. You can have that peace, peace. Why two pieces? The peace that's coming from the kingdom, but also the peace that's happening in your heart because the Prince of Peace lives in your heart, in your mind. Man, we need to go to prayer. We need to be not anxious, not freaked out, not, not even, you know, there is a place, by the way, for righteous anger. And, you know, I see some of the stuff that happened. When I see that, what happened with that, um, that situation in Minneapolis, you know, with George Floyd, there's an anger that stirs up to me. You say, but yeah, we need righteous anger. I just can't say that it's real righteous. I get myself in, a, in an anger that's not so healthy and righteous. So what do I need to do? First thing I need to do is not be anxious or angry in that way but to be giving it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, show us what to do. Heal this nation. Forgive us for our sins as a nation. The Lord might call you to do something, call to some active you know, uh, ministry or some way to try to fight against the, the wrong things that are happening in this nation, like racism. But you also have to understand you need to be called by the Lord to those things. But the prayer of a fervent, righteous man or woman, man, that's gonna make anxiety flee. And if you keep your mind stayed upon the Lord, guess what? He will keep you in perfect peace. Now, who are you? Are you the, the mother who's trying to raise children in a day of rioting and COVID virus and people telling you what to do and, and uh, you know, all the, the, the voices Man, can I give you a, a, a word of advice? Jesus is the answer that you're looking for. Um, it's not to isolate your kids and put padding on them and put them in a room with no media. You can't do that today. Um, but it's Jesus. Are you afraid of the coronavirus, that you're gonna get it? You're gonna die a brutal death of suffocation? Are you freaked out by that? Jesus is the answer. He's the one who can heal our bodies and we can put our trust in him. And if it is our time to go, it's our time to go. And there's nothing you can do about that. And if you're a Christian, good. You're gonna go to heaven. Peace. Jesus is the answer for the coronavirus person who's afraid. What if you're not afraid of the coronavirus? You think it's all a bunch of baloney and it's just the government power grab of socialism and Kate Brown is just trying to control churches and all the other things and you're angry about that. Jesus is the answer. There's gonna be humanity doing wacko stuff uh, that's just gonna happen until Christ's return. I'm not saying we do nothing about it. I'm just saying being bitter and angry and all that stuff, that's not helping. If you're that person, you need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Are you afraid of what this shutdown is doing to our economy and you're worried about your financial portfolio and your 401k? Jesus is the answer. Are you an African-American who's just had it with racism and the history of our nation and slavery and where we are today and all this stuff. Jesus is your answer. 
Man, you got to bring the Lord into your heart and your mind and, and not let the bitterness take over. See, that's the problem that I see with some of the rioting that's going on is there's just so much anger and bitterness um, that it's becoming destructive. And that's not going to end good for anyone. That's the bummer. Bitterness is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Man, we could go on and on, but the answer is always Jesus. Now, here's the thing. As I close, you will never have the peace of God unless you're at peace with God. Did you hear what I just said? You will never have the peace of God that I'm talking about. That undescribable, immeasurable peace, the peace that passes understanding, the peace that the Lord gives to you, not as the world gives. You will never have that unless you're at peace with God. And the thing that made you not at peace with God is you were a person, human with a pulse. Humanity, man, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all done bad stuff. Um, it happened starting with Adam and Eve and it's gone right on through to you and me. And, and that, that has caused separation. Isaiah 59, the Lord's not, his hand's not short that he cannot touch you and his ear is not deaf that he cannot hear you. But it's your sin that separates you from God. You are separated and, and you are uh, sort of without help until Jesus came. Jesus is the one who reconciles you to God the Father. And how did he do that? You can be at peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans talks about how Jesus was the one who brought in that reconciliation of of humanity to God through Jesus Christ. How did that happen? While you were a sinner, you and I, you owe a debt that's horrible of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin or the cost of your sin is death eternal. But instead, God says, oh, I would that none should perish, have eternal death. But so that people could have eternal life, he sent his son, Jesus, who died on the cross, paying your penalty, a bloody, brutal death on the cross. He died and then he was buried and then he rose from the grave, proving who he was. There's a reason the whole world was turned upside down when Jesus rose from the grave and and Christianity took off like wildfire because people saw him with their own eyes change the world forever. And anyone who would confess and believe that Jesus died for their sins, that means they repent of their sins. Just change your mind, go the opposite direction. Say, I'm a sinner. I'm going to go the other way. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. It just means you're recognizing your sinful nature and that you want to go the opposite way. And then you confess Christ that he died on the cross for your, your sin, my sin. You believe that. You confess it. Why do I say that? Because Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, that God raised him up from the dead, it says you will be saved. Period. And until you do that, until you're saved, until you're a Christian, you will have no peace. You will not have the peace of God until you're at peace with God. Peace with God comes from becoming a believer. Being a Christian doesn't mean you go to church every Sunday. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're weird or carrying a huge Bible or paying a tithe or offering. Being a Christian is somebody who's acknowledging I'm a sinner and I repent. And I turn to Jesus Christ and believe that he died for my sins and I accept that free gift of salvation. If that's you and you need to do that today, don't wait another day. You're gonna have struggling in your heart and your mind. You may have thought you're a Christian because you were born in a Christian home or had a a pastor for a dad. You might have thought you were a Christian because you you knew Bible stories or you sang Christian songs. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is a repentance of sin and belief in Jesus Christ. That's it. If you've not done that, I'd like to pray a prayer of confession of faith this morning. 
If that's you, would you just sort of whisper this prayer and, and come from, in your, from your heart, through your mouth, to God, and he'll hear it. He's amazing. God can hear all these prayers at the same time. That's God's nature. So let's pray. If this is you, pray this prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that he rose up from the grave and that I'm forgiven. Help me to walk with you. Thank you for saving me. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says the Lord heard it and he sees your repentant heart and he holds your sins no more against you. He's blotted out your sins and you're forgiven. And now as you seek the Lord in prayer, you'll find the peace that passes understanding. The Lord will just lift the burden. Remember those worries that weight you down? Those will be lifted. Let the Lord just lift all that stuff off of you and you'll be the one person who, while the world is falling apart around us, you'll still just have this quiet confidence because Christ is in you, the Prince of Peace. Man, may the Lord bless all of you guys. If you're a Christian, man, just bask in the peace of God. Keep your mind stayed upon him. Keep yourself in prayer and be anxious for nothing. And that's how we're gonna get through the corona craze. That's how we're gonna get through the riots and the racism and all the issues is it's gonna be Jesus. We gotta bring more of Jesus into our lives, more of Jesus into our country. And until he comes and rules and reigns, that's your and my job. It's all about Jesus. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I pray as we close now this service, I pray that you just guide and direct my brothers and sisters through these difficult times. Give us hope, patience. Help us to put our trust in you, Lord. Guard our hearts and give us that perfect peace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We encourage you to take advantage of our media ministry by visiting us at atheecreek.com anytime. There we have all of Pastor Brett's Bible studies available as a free download.